0: Hawks, Hawks live every Thursday from seven to nine live on air on seven ten ESPN Seattle. Now here are your hosts Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Say it with your chest. It's time to talk that talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live.
1: Welcome back to Hawks Live. It's time to talk that talk. We're going to pick some topics to square off, except it's not Paul Moyer on the other side of the ring. It is NASA Choby. NASA produces this thing, so he knows how it goes. I don't need to explain the rules to this dude. Let's go, baby. He knows what's up. So the first question I got for you, Choby. will the Seahawks make the playoffs? The answer is yes.
2: Now, everyone's going to be like, Man, you are such a homer. There's no chance the Seahawks can make the playoffs. They started three and eight. Yep. Well, I'm gonna tell you why they're gonna make the playoffs. Take a look at the current playoff standings, right? I'm only gonna work look at the wild card spots, right? You have the Washington football team six and 7 mm-hmm. Minnesota Vikings six and seven. Eagles six and seven. Falcons six and seven. Saints six and seven, Panthers five and eight. I'm gonna tell you why, and it's in the schedule. That's okay. why. All right. Obviously, it should be noted that I'm assuming the Seahawks win out and they take care of business this Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's going to happen. So let's just put that aside. The Seahawks finish 9-8. and The Washington football team plays the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants. They're going to split with the Eagles, probably. They play them twice, and they're going to lose to the Cowboys. Boom. What does that make it? 8-9. and All right. doesn't matter if the Seahawks lost to them. They have a better record. The Vikings, they got the Bears, the Rams, the Packers, the Bears. They play the Bears twice, division rival. They probably split. They're definitely losing to the Rams, and they're losing to the Packers. So, they could finish 7-10 or 8-9 okay. Five Vikings. Okay. Eagles, Washington football team twice, Giants, Cowboys. They're going to smack the Giants. They'll split with the Washington football team, division rival. They'll lose to the Cowboys. Okay, they're gone. Falcons, 49ers, Lions, Bills, Saints. They're going to lose to the 49ers. They're going to smack the Lions, but they're going to lose to the Bills. And the Saints doesn't matter because they're now 8-9. Now, going to the Saints. They play Tampa, Miami, Panthers, Falcons. They're losing to Tampa. They're probably losing to Miami. They'll beat the Panthers and the Falcons. And then the Panthers, they're a lost cause. They're five and eight. They got they got Buffalo. The Bucks twice in the Saints. So they're thin, they're not they might not win another game this year. And the Seahawks went out. I'm telling you, Bump, it's <laughs> going to happen. I just broke down the schedule. Everything I said feels real. There's a possibility there. Feels so real. I'm saying it's going to happen. See so take care of business on Sunday.
1: And they are going to the playoffs. And they are going to the playoffs. He says, I love his energy, his belief. He wakes us up on Sundays with all this hypeness and lets us know why this is going to happen. I'm going to tell you why it's not going to happen. Uh, and I, I, I love the Hawks. Gave me an opportunity to play the game I love for money. I work for them on Sundays. I like some of the guys on the team. <laughs> These are my dudes. All right, but I think it comes down to the Minnesota Vikings. They are so unpredictable, these Vikings. All right. They played the Bears twice. I think they handle them. I think they're going to handle the Bears twice. Okay. Then I think they're going to win a game between the Rams and the Packers. They're going to win one of those games. It might be the Rams. It might be the Packers. Kirk Cousins is the most unpredictable quarterback in the league. I want to say he leads the league in touchdowns right now. Uh, He, you just never know what he's going to do. The wild card. Just because of the unpredictable, I don't have the wins and the losses and. He's, they're gonna be in the move there and all the scientific stuff that you just did. I'm just going off of my heart and what the Minnesota Vikings do. And I think they're gonna win three out of their last four. They hold the tiebreaker, it's a wrap. I mean, a
2: valid argument. They are very unpredictable, but I could also see them because they're so unpredictable. I could see them going 0 and 4. But whatever, hey, I'm with that. I hope they do. I hope you're right. <laughs> I, I hope, hope I'm, I'm right wrong. too for a lot of different <laughs> reasons. Okay, next topic will Rashad Penny. Have another
1: 100-yard game before the season's over. Will he? That is most definitely, this guy's going to get going. I don't know if it's against the Rams. I think that he plays well against the Rams. But I think the Bears and the Lions are ready to give up 120, 125 <laughs> to Rashop. They're just waiting to give up 120, 125. So, yeah, just because of the schedule. Because I know the Rams struggles defensively and the Lions struggles. I think he's going to get a done. This week, though, I just need to see him get the ball. 15 to 16 times and be effective and have those impact runs, as Turbo would say. What do you think?
2: Well, you know, I think about a Dev's advocate would say, well, do you think he's going to continue to be healthy? I think he's going to be healthy because he's shown it the last two weeks. And I have to agree with you, Bump, because I'm seeing Rashad. He's got that swag. He's that walking bounce. around. Boom, he's getting the rock. He's running downhill. He's running between the tackles. The confidence is there. And we all know about the speed. Rashad Penny, I'm going to do you one further. All right. My man gets two 100-yard games before the season's over.
1: I said it. Against the Bears and the Lions. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe even the Cardinals. I don't know. But it's at least two. I'm I'm going with two. I'm going with two. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Is it my turn or your turn? It's your turn. All right. Matthew Stafford will never win or play in a Super Bowl. Thoughts?
2: Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, But it's really not that tough. No.
1: Ain't going down, huh?
2: I don't think it's going down, and it has nothing to do with Matthew Stafford. I think he is a great quarterback. I think he did get a lot of shade for playing in Detroit. I think he's better than all those teams he played on. But when you want to look at Matthew Stafford, look at what he's gone through, man. He has struggled so mightily in his career, okay, as I'm just fumbling through these notes trying to find the stat that I wrote down, and here it is. Matthew Stafford, last Monday night, was his first win ever against a team with eight-plus victories at the time of the game, previously 0-20. Matthew Stafford also collected his first win against an opponent who entered the game at least five games above .500, 0-17 heading into that game. And you can say, well, a lot of that is playing in Detroit. That's a bad program. That's a bad football team. Got him to playoff once, they always took out. Now he's here with a great head coach, a great environment. They're going all in to win out. I just don't think they win the Super Bowl this year, and this is their best year to do it. I think they're going to have to pay people, and it has nothing to do with his skill set or Sean McVay. Those are two amazing players and coach. Coach and player combo. I just don't think if they don't do it this year, they're gonna, they are going don't have draft picks. They don't have any of that stuff, and I don't think it's going to happen. He's going to start to decline.
1: He's old. So, no, Matt does not go to a suit. He might go to one. He definitely doesn't win one. All right. Well, you just stole my argument because I'm saying if it don't happen this year, it ain't going to happen, and it's not going to happen this year. Aaron Rodgers playing out of sight. Tom Brady playing out of sight. You still got to go through Kyler Murray. You still got to go through Dak Prescott. Let's go to the other side of the bracket. You got Mac Jones and the Pages playing well. Tennessee Titans are finding their way through. You can never sleep on Pat Mahomes and those boys. And Justin Herbert is emerging as a star in this league. Too many obstacles for this young man to go over. I don't think he's young anymore. He's probably like my age. We're like 33, 34 years old. He's been in in the league for a minute. He's at least that. He's been here for a while. He ain't young no more. I do not think it is going to happen. Well, I'm going to sneak one more in
2: before the gun because we got no more guests coming up beyond this. I can do this because, you know what, I, pr- I put hey, the show oh, you together. Can, you produce this? Is that yeah, what you do here? This is what I would have said in okay. your ear, but I'm on this <laughs> side of the glass. I never get to do this. I never get to make decisions on the air like that. So I'm going to do it. One quick one. Will DK Metcalf
1: get the better of Jalen Ramsey on Sunday? Most definitely. Most definitely because he's due. He's due. He's a sleeping volcano. He's due. The last couple of games, I believe he has five receptions, 173 yards. The 5% somewhere around there. 173 yards in the last two two or three games. That's just not DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett has gotten a lot of love. He deserves it. All these targets. Good for him. But I think it's time for 14 to reemerge. And he gets up for games like this. He likes the challenge of Jalen Ramsey. I think he wins the bout.
2: I'm with you because I want to see it. But what I really want to see and all the fans out there want to see is DK Metcalf, Jalen Ramsey, both mic'd up. Please. But we're never gonna see that,
1: man. You you don't people don't pay enough money for that. You don't get that stuff for free. You man, know what I'm saying? I pay a hundred bucks for that. A hundred. <laughs> I pay sixty five for the UFC. I pay a hundred bucks for DK and Ramsey mic'd up. I think you get people. I think there's people out there that pay a lot more than that. Yeah, something to think about. NFL. You heard it here. You got to give us our money if y'all do that, though. We need like 5%. All right, we return. We'll go inside the film and we'll break down Russell Wilson finding Tyler Lockett for a 55-yard touchdown. Daryl Taylor sacks Davis Mills in the fourth quarter. Then Rashad Penny takes it to the house, 47 yards. All that's next here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live
0: every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Welcome back to Hawks Live. Michael Bump is joined with Nas Choby today. Paul Moyer's out hitting golf balls in the desert of some sort. It's time to go into the film room, and I love the film room, man. This is – if you ever played sports and they're filming your practice and the eye in the sky never lies, if your coach asks you a question, you better come with as accurate as a response as you can – because you're going to watch film and be exposed.
2: Oh, absolutely. I think about Coach Stewart, who had an amazing career. Shout out to Coach Stewart, my high school coach at Medvedo High School. Retired from another great run at Mariner High School. But you couldn't lie,
1: man, that old film, Eye in the Sky, where you blocked, you better have an answer because if you're (laughs) wrong, you're going to answer to it. Better have the right answer. Okay, so now let's break down our first play. We're going to look at Russell Wilson. He finds Tyler Lockett for a 55-yard touchdown on first and 10 from the Hawks 45.
3: Sliding to his right side, stops, looks, throws deep. Got a man out there, Lockett, wide open, touchdown Seahawks! How in the world does Tyler Lockett get open as he hits the deck and swims the rest of the way? A 55-yard rainbow by Russell Wilson and the 12s, and there are a lot of them, are going nuts, and Houston, 16-10, the Hawks lead.
1: Just a real nice combination for the defense that the Hawks are seeing. The Texans come out a one high look and drop into cover three. That means the corner, free safety, corner, have deep thirds. Now, Tyler Lockett's on the bottom. He's on the bottom of the numbers. He has a tight end inside of him. I believe that's Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett is going to run the speed out and take care of the flat defender. Tyler Lockett stems inside to kind of fill that corner. And when he gets about to the 40, he jabs at him. Boom, right foot in the ground, and that kind of kind of stumbles the, the cornerback a little bit and just fly by him. But the key to all this happening is that safety. Nassar Chobie was talking about this before the break. Like, look, when you see a, a safety try to speed turn out of that thing, is that a speed turn? What's the proper? Well, no, he should have speed turned. Should've he opened it. up his hips right and then opened up back left. Yeah, and, and once we see that happening, you're done. So all uh, Lockett does is he gets skinny. He stays away from the safety, gets on top of the corner and Russell just delivers a bomb and 16 does what he does. You know,
2: that for the Texans defensively, they're, they're in decent shape. You just got to do your job. Yep. You're watching this. It's, it's passed all the way. Tyler Lockett is great at running these deep routes. You can rally up to anything short when you're a deep third defender, you got to stay deep and it's easy pitch and catch. And that's what we talked about earlier. Talking about Russell Wilson's amazing arm and the moon balls and the shots that you see right there. That's exactly what you're looking at and just, I mean the Texans are where they are for a reason. They ranked dead last in almost every single category. Good against the
1: pass though, fifteen.
2: Yeah, you're no you're right. You're right. You're <laughs> right. I, I sold I sold them short, but on this play, it's just it's just bad secondary play. The safety gets out of position. Granted, when you have DK Metcalf on one side, Tyler Lockett on one side, and they're both running deep routes,
1: I understand being conflicted, but you got a speed turn, baby. Otherwise you got
2: no chance.
1: Yeah, it's amazing to me how Tyler Lockett continues to get open deep. And he's a fast football player, but he does the little subtle things that people don't really pick up on, like that jab at the corner to make him stumble. That's a subtle thing. That's something may, maybe a, um, a receiver that's not as experienced really, really doesn't do. He just tries to run by you. But he says, look, I'm going to run by you, but I'm going to make you stumble at the same time. Lockett is one of the, like I said, I'll say it all the time, the most humble superstar in this oh, league yeah. that nobody talks about. Give this man his love. All right, next play. We got Daryl Taylor. He sacks Davis Mills in the fourth quarter, second and 14.
3: Second down and 14. Play fake. Mills wrapped up and dropped. Taylor into the backfield, and this time he gets him. This time it's going to count. Daryl Taylor with the sack, and that is his sixth sack on the year.
2: This play bump is really simple. First of all, Daryl Taylor is an amazing athlete, and he has great get off. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're an offensive coordinator somewhere out there in the league and you're listening to Hawks Live for some reason on a, <laughs> a Thursday night in Seattle at 8 o'clock, do not try to pick up Daryl Taylor with a tight end who's motioning across the formation. That is an L. Throw that out of the playbook. It is not going to help you. Essentially what happens is they the tackle comes down the line of scrimmage towards Al Woods, get a little double team there, and they expect the tight end who's on to Davis's mill's left to come across the formation and pick up and unblock Daryl Taylor. Taylor has a great get off, and there's no chance this guy has any chance of stopping him. Gets by him. Davis Mills has no chance. He goes down for a sack. It would have been a decent completion, not for a lot of yards. It might have got three or four yards if he gets the ball out of his hands. But throw that out the playbook.
1: That ain't gonna work. Daryl Taylor's get off is underrated. If you just and how how often do people just look at the defensive line during a play and say, okay, I'm gonna hone in on one player? I encourage all you guys three or four times throughout the game on Sunday, just lock it on Daryl Taylor and see his activity. He might not win that rep, but you see his activity, and he's getting comfortable, man. He feels that tackle downstep Like, he's even looking. You look at the tackle, the right tackle's body language. His eyes are inside. He's not even paying attention to Daryl Taylor. And Daryl Taylor, playing like a veteran, says, I can just fire off this football right now. And now, like, Choby, you mentioned, you're asking this tight end to get east-west, and get at a guy who's going north-south downhill right now, who has great hands and great feet, dips that right shoulder, shrugs him off, gets to the quarterback. Daryl Taylor now has six sacks. Big Ray said he's going to have 10 by the end of the season. He keeps playing like this. There's a possibility. I hope Big Ray's right. There's got four games left. One sack every game. He gets a 10. Get her done, DT. Okay. Star of the show, Rashad Penny. We're going to break this down. Penny takes a 47-yard run to the house to seal the game.
3: Second down and seven run by Penny left side. Breaks one tackle. First down, he is gone. 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Seahawks. Rashad Penny breaks it at the line of scrimmage and takes off for 47 yards. There's a 100 plus day for the Seahawks. 137 yards for just. Rashad Penny, what a game. And if you keep doing that, if you keep pounding that line of scrimmage and the defense, one of these is going to break. And Rashad has had two of them break today.
1: This is just a numbers game, man. I think the Hawks and Shane Waldron do a great job here. They line up three tight ends to the right side. That means the Texans got to bring defenders that way. You have to bring defenders that way. You cannot ignore the three tight ends. They're going to run away from that. Now, what happens here is, Our left guard gets the double team, helps the center, boom, gets to the second level, the linebacker. The right guard gets to the linebacker, gets his hand on his shoulders. And then what really springs this is D.S. Gridge on a push-crack is what we call it. You push towards the corner, crack towards the safety, and Rashad does a great job of being patient and finding his way through. One of the most beautiful things in football is when a run game A run just pops. Like, I'm a receiver. I love route combinations, the deep ball, all that stuff. But because of all the chaos that is in the box in football, when guys get to their spots and do what they have to do and make it easy for running backs, man, it's beautiful. Yeah, you love it, too. Rashad Penny's just patient.
2: He's not running in, you know, he's patient with the play. Let's O-line do their work, get to the second level. And you mentioned D. Eskridge. That's one of my favorite things, too, because he gets the safety, and that's the block that springs this touchdown. He makes this work at the end of the play. And as a safety coming downhill, you're supposed to not be blocked by a receiver, right? Especially a guy like DS De'Estrich doesn't kill him. He doesn't flat back him because you don't need to do that. Nope. You just need to get enough to seal the edge. And then Rashad Penny, you want to talk about speed? If you get number 20 in the open field, good luck because you go. you're not going to catch him. And the one thing I love to watch when you're watching film is the guy who's on the backside, the corner, the savior angle, one of the fastest guys on the field. He's taking that savior angle, and nothing's worse than taking that savior
1: angle, (laughs) and he's just getting farther and farther away, dusting you in the open field. So great run, great call. Good work, Rashad. Penny showing that speed. Eight returns in college for a touchdown. Eight returns, man. All right, when we come back, we'll go around the NFL. Things just keep getting worse in Jacksonville, man. You won't believe the latest headlines from the Urban Meyer fiasco. You won't want to miss this conversation up next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks
0: Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Hawks Live, on Michael Bumpus with NASA Chobie. If you're watching Thursday Night Football, there's a game going on. 28 to 28 in overtime. Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs get the ball, and they are driving just through a pass to the second best tight end in the league, Travis Kelce. We are, have anointed George Kittle as the best in the league. But uh, now it's time for us to go around the NFL, and there is a headline that we cannot ignore. Urban Meyer. <laughs> this, ain't, this ain't working out for him, man. First, first, during all this social justice stuff going on, he hires a strength and conditioning coach who got fired for racial stuff. Starts off all bad. Uh, and then he has this issue where he decides to stay in, I think we decided it's Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Stays back behind, has his team, flies back home. Then he's caught in a bar, a young lady around him. I believe he's married with kids. Sure is. Not a good look, Urban. Yep. And goes around, and he has his coaches stand up in a meeting and, and explain what they've done just to let them know, you haven't done as much as me, so simmer down. Then he kicks his kicker. I mean, this dude from day one has started his NFL career horribly and – Because we keep getting offenses, that's just who he is. He must be a heck of an interview. He must know how to interview and hit all the points and come dress correctly. and Resume's on point, obviously, but he is what his history says he is.
2: No question about it. Obviously, we know he is one heck of a football coach. He started at Bowling Green, was successful at Utah with Alex Smith. Boom, goes to Florida, incredibly successful there national championships. Goes to Ohio State, wins national championships. But you know what's in common in all these spots? He left behind a lot of controversy. Right? Carnage. You leave Florida with a whole bunch of stuff going on, and before you get out of there, before there could be any kind of sanctions, game over by the Kansas City Chiefs. By the way, that game's over. Kel- Travis Kelsey falling out. Yeah. Anyway, so he leaves Florida in shambles to get away from recruiting violations. Then at Ohio State, when one of his assistant coaches had some domestic violence incidents and. Urban Meyer not only covered up for him, and then when all the heat started happening, he started having heart problems. Yeah, So he walks away from Ohio State. Then he gets a great job at Fox calling games. And he was actually – I liked him as an analyst because he was good, right? And then it's the time, hey, I need to get back into coaching. I want to coach with Jacksonville Jaguars. Shad Khan takes an opportunity on him. He has a great resume, Florida area. Probably will never buy a drink again in Gainesville. <laughs> and it doesn't work. And here's the thing, Bob. When you treat people like this, forget about – college kids, which is wrong. But when you treat grown men like this in their coaching staff, especially because out here in Seattle, I'll speak for myself, mad love for a lot of the coaches down there, Darryl Bevel, Bevel uh, Brian Schottenheimer, yeah. Sanjay Law. There's a ton of ex seahawk ties there. And I just feel for them because they went from coaching under Pete Carroll, John Schneider, Paul Allen, an amazingly run franchise top to bottom with structure and everything about it, and then to end up in Jacksonville. And really bad for Bevel because he went to Detroit, then Jacksonville. Mm. But it, I just can't imagine that. These are grown men. Are you kidding me with families? And you're just denying stuff? and you? Everything about Urban, man, makes me sick.
1: The What hurts me the most, at least, when I started coaching as a head coach in 2015, every year I take a book from a head coach. I'm like, okay, I'm going to read this book. He's been successful. Let's see what he does. The first one I read was Pete Carroll. Yep, win right. forever, baby. Yogi Roth, big ups Yogi. He'll write that thing. Then I read Tony Dungy's book, one of Tony Dungy's books. Right. Then my third year, I'm going Urban Meyer, man. He's done a lot. I read the story, Notre Dame, Bowling Green. He has rules set in place, man. Coaches will not, if coaches are caught doing any type of infidelity, they're, they're gone. If they're caught hmm. drinking, they're gone. If they disrespect players, they are gone. And I'm reading this, and I'm building my program every year with these pillars that he speaks about in his book. Then I watch it all go down in Jacksonville. I'm like, well, we've we seen it happening before Jacksonville, but in Jacksonville it was like it was clear. Like, this guy, you can't lead young men if you can't lead yourself. You can't lead grown men if you can't lead yourself. So that the book that I read, it was like 300 and something pages. It's just all false to me now. And I contributed. I gave this man some of my money, and he straight duped me.
2: Well, and the thing is, you mentioned it, it's been at every level since he got there. We we know what we forgot? He brought in Tim Tebow, who has never played tight end in the National Football League. And he said, you know what? I want to bring you in (laughs) and play tight end with people who have played this game in tight end their entire lives. Okay, so, I mean, you're just so tone deaf. It doesn't make sense. A message to the locker room that we're trying to win when you bring a guy who's never played that position. And has been out the league. For that long, when you have all these guys grinding and doing everything they can to stay in the league, so you have that. Then a little thing, they get blown out by the Titans. Right, game's over. Coaches walk to the middle the field. They shake hands, have respect for you. No, nope. nice. He doesn't even look at Vrabel as he just gives him a quick handshake and walks away. Looks
1: unbelievably. Vrabel was on his That's coaching
2: staff. That's what Ohio I was State. about to say. I can't. Bu- like you, you're telling me this man went to war for you, and you can't even you can't even look him in the eye and shake his hand. I He's mean, embarrassed. It's just a
1: low, low man. You know what I'm gonna say? I'm gonna say I probably would have liked Bowling Green, Urban Meyer. Yeah, just getting started. You're hungry. Mm-hmm. You're grateful for the opportunity. Once you start winning, you go to Utah. You Alex Smith. You start yeah. winning. You go to to Florida, and that team is full of guys who just were not good guys either. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Tim Tebow's good as it gets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's some other stuff going on. So now you're recruiting guys. I would like to think as a recruiter, like you, you can sense if this is a good kid or not. So he doesn't have a good judge of character, but he keep he kept getting jobs. So he's, he's doing something right in these interviews. He's presenting himself the right way. But when it comes down to it, Dan Orlovsky said it the best this morning, I believe it was first take I was yep. watching. He goes, he's just not a good guy. That's what it comes down to. Might be a good football coach. But you got to be both. You got to be at least a decent human being right. and a good football coach.
2: It's yeah. You look at it and it's just a, I mean i I would say I'm surprised, but I'm not because we kind of felt like this was coming this entire time. But Urban man, when you got a family, and you got kids, and you're you're putting that out there for everybody. It's hard. And here's here's how you know it's bad. It's not quite getting fired on a day off, Craig, but it was close <laughs> to it because it was at midnight. When you get, I saw the alert on my phone. I go. Dang, it's I'm in
1: bed already. I'm like, wait, it's it's three hours in the East Coast. They <laughs> try to sneak that in there real quick. Right, let's go oh ahead and get this out there. Hey, and no, I'm not saying that like you have to be a saint. Of course not. Nobody's a freaking saint, and especially in the NFL, like the culture is uh, is very aggressive at times. Right. You know I mean, we're lucky out here in Seattle. The culture's a bit different, but uh, it's aggressive. It's machismo. There's some change that's been happening in the NFL just because of the reputation that it's had, and I think Urban Myers, Myers, one of the guys who helped push that culture. You know, Grant, thankfully he's only been in the league one year. He helped push the negative culture in football in general over the years, and it's coming to light right now. But the thing about him is he's still getting paid. He's still a rich man. He's still gonna live a very good life, and we'll be here talking about him. And if this thing will blow over in like what? Six months, eight months. He'll, he'll be back at a
2: Power Five. He'll be back on TV, and he'll be like, nothing ever happened. He can look remorseful, he'll talk about TV. I had this going on, this going on my heart, and it will be fine, and it will pretend like nothing
1: happened. Yeah, poor Urban Meyer. Negative. Okay, when we return, we'll give you our final thoughts and keys to victory right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on
0: 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Hawks Live for the very last Thursday of this football season. is coming to an end. But it's all good. Thank you guys for hanging in there with us. I know my boys, C.J. Mars and Ross McPherson, have been on us all year, on me at least, pointing out all my flaws. But hey, good we, friends keep you humble, though. We need that. We need that exactly. <laughs> I'm happy my wife is listening You know, hasn't texted me anything. Only nice things, which there we know, go. isn't true, but I'll take it. Fine. <laughs> we'll take it. All right, so our final thoughts. One I'm going to throw out there that Urban Meyer should not coach in the NFL again. That's a final thought. Don't worry. I don't think he'll (laughs) have another job opportunity. (laughs) Another final thought is I'd love to see Rashad Penny back up his performance, man. Just for him. Not for us. It's going to benefit us, the Seahawks. But for him, for his mental, for his psyche, for his image that he has in the NFL right now, I want to see Rashad Penny go off. And I want to see DK get the better of Jalen Ramsey. Absolutely.
2: I think we talked about it in the post-game show, or at least you guys did, with Rashad, how he's just matured and got to this point. He's had all these injuries, dealt with all this stuff, and he finally, because he was looking at social media, he was looking at Twitter, he was looking at all these people coming after him, and that's a dark place, man. Twitter is a dark, dark place, especially when you're not playing well. So I feel for him, and he finally was like, listen, this is not good for me. This is not healthy for me. I mean, the vile things people say to these guys, it's it's unbelievable. I've seen some of them. So he made a conscious decision, like, I'm not going to look at that nonsense no more. And you come back into this season, he's not paying attention to any of that. He's finally getting back healthy, and then he gets banged up. Then he has that great run against the Cardinals, 18 yards. You thought he going to go to the house. You thought he was going to have a great game. Boom, and oh. it's a hammy again. Then he misses a game. And you're thinking, man, this is it. We've seen the last Rashad Penny, but he comes back against the 49ers, has a great game, not crazy in the stat sheet, but has a nice pickup here, a nice screen pass here, doing a good job. Then last week, goes off. So, Like you mentioned, I want to see him do it again. I know he has more 100-yard games in him. Not necessarily going to happen this week against the Rams, but I just want to see him have success, continue to stay healthy. And guess what? If he balls out the rest of the year, the Seahawks find a crazy way to get to the playoffs. Maybe Rashad Penny's back in a Seahawks uniform next year. And that's a crazy statement because no one in Seattle would have thought that leading up to this stretch run here. So I'm I'm happy to see uh, Rashad balling
1: out. Another thing I want to see, I want to see the Seahawks continue to be good on third downs. I think that was huge. There were seven to thirteen against the Texans. Texans aren't weren't a great defense when it comes to third downs, but you took advantage of what they didn't do well—third down convergence. Also, want to see them possess the football. I want to see long, sustaining drives. I don't think I think we've seen one or two drives this year over fourteen plays. Typically, they're scoring on nine to ten play drives or one to two plays with the big play. you got to find a way to mix in the big play drives and the longer drives. No question about it. And when you have long drives, you start winning time of
2: possession. Yep. The Seahawks didn't win time of possession last week, but as long as it's close, that's fine. What you don't want to see is games where, I think it was Washington, where you it was like 41 to 18 or 41 to 19, whatever it was. got to stay on the field. And how do you do that? You stay on it with long possessions on offense. And defensively, the Seahawks have been great. On third downs for the entire season, where they kind of slipped up was Green Bay, Arizona. They allowed 7 of 14, but outside of that, they've done great. 5 of 13 against Washington, 3 of 10 against San Fran, and 3 of 13 against Houston. And then just to piggyback off of that, while playing good defense, in the second half of games, the Seahawks have only allowed 18 points in the last four games in the second half. Mm. So they're playing good football. Back-to-back shutouts the last two weeks in the second half, so... Continue doing that, and the Seahawks are going to have a great shot to beat the Rams.
1: And I I think they have a good chance to to be successful on third downs. The Rams are 23rd in the lead, allowing 43% of their third downs to be converted. The Hawks are number seven in the league, allowing 35. So here's another chance, another week to where the numbers say they should be okay, they should be good to go. Another thing, I don't want Leonard Floyd to ball out again. He had eight sacks against the Hawks last year. Eight and two games. He made his money off the Hawks last year. Leonard Floyd, great ball player. You need to contain that man, and that's easier said than done. You got Aaron Donald, you got Leonard Floyd. These guys are going to get after the quarterback. Um, But I feel like if Leonard Floyd has a big day, it's worse than Aaron Donald having a big day because you just automatically assume that's going to happen, right? Right. Leonard Floyd is like hit or miss. Eventually his year is going to be good, but let's not have a career day against the Hawks like he has the last few times they played.
2: Yeah, I just don't, I don't want to see Russ get hit. I don't want to see Russ get hit six, seven times. I don't want to see him get beat up with all his quarterback hits and get sacked four or five times because those are drive killers. Those are when the Seahawks give up a sack or they go second and 13, third and eighteen. Bump, you're you're an OC. Those are drive killers. The drive is now over unless barring a miraculous play. So keep Russell upright and that's going to help with the running game. And to do all that, bump, you talk about Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald. You got to run right, Aaron Donald, right. I mean, I feel like he's the type of dude, you run away from him, you go stuff the outside, he's going to chase it down and make the tackle anyway, right? Yep. You got to run right at him and and stay committed, and I, I think good things can happen.
1: Another thing that I need to see happen is Matthew Stafford. I need to see him flustered in the backfield. I need to see him look like when he threw five interceptions in three games against three against the Green Bay Packers, excuse me, one against the Packers, two against San Fran, two against Tennessee, five interceptions in three games. Why? Because he got pressure on them, and they stayed over the top with these receivers. We know what Cooper Cup's going to do. He's going to get his, but force Matthew Stafford to turn the ball over. Yeah, man, they, don't, they do a great job in
2: protection. They've only, he's only been sacked 20 or 21 times this season. Whitworth's out there at tackle. He's 40 years old.
1: He Go. is still doing it. It's older than me. At
2: forty years old. Daryl Taylor, you got some young blood in you. Beat the old <laughs> man, the dad with the with the, the beard and everything. You know, I mean, I'm heading in that direction. I got he's got some time. He's got a, time. a lead on me, so I'm not throwing <laughs> too much shade at that age group. But for real, though, you just need to get after these guys. Stafford will get the ball out quick, but Daryl Taylor needs to build off that game. Uh Carlos Dunlap needs when he's in the Football game, he needs to get after the quarterback. Alton Robinson, Puna Ford, guys locking up in the middle. It needs to be joint effort. You need to get Matthew Stafford uncomfortable. Quarterback hits, pressure
1: him, and good things will happen. And if you win this game, that's three games in a row. Haven't done that all year. You've already won back to back games. It's your first time. You win three in a row. All right, these next two games are set up for you to do what you got to do, and then we can then you can get in the lab and run all the numbers when it comes to playoffs <laughs> against the Cardinals and be like, look, this is what needs to happen, and we can sit around like we got brackets and March Madness and just watch people knock each other out mm-hmm. and see who does what. But it starts with this game. You are in L.A. You're in L.A. You're on the road, Hollywood. Hopefully, I hope all the guys on the Rams roster who has COVID, I hope it's not serious. I hope you are healthy. You bounce back, but I hope you don't play. Because I wouldn't <laughs> mind the Hawks getting a break this weekend.
2: Yeah, hopefully they're all asymptomatic and they are back and better than ever. <laughs> but what I
1: want is,
2: yeah, listen, it is what it is, man. I want the Seahawks to win this football game. They need to. It would be great to end the year because here's the thing. Since Pete Carroll has been here, they don't play meaningless games in Seattle ever. They don't. That's not the standard here. That's not the standard they set. They never do it. I don't want it to start now.
1: Huge, huge game on Sunday. Sounds like a movie. You know, sleepless in Seattle, meaningless games in Seattle. <laughs> let's let's not Never, let, please. Let's not make that movie. Let's not make it. Another thing I want to see is Russell Wilson continue just to be efficient, man. And I and I want to see him be vocal again. Like I, I feel like I yeah. haven't seen him, except for that one time. What San was France. San Fran? Where he was back on the troops, sideline. Yep. Like Russ, get back to doing what you do, man. Who knows what's going on in this man's life? He's battled injury. He lost a very close friend. Um, he has had a slump. He's played horribly. He's played good. There's a lot of stuff going on with Russ, but I think he's moving in the right direction. Just keep that energy up. I have all the faith in the world. Last week was the eight-week mark
2: with that finger injury, and that's when we knew, boom, who's back. Russell Wilson is back. Number three is back to what we've been seeing from him. So I have all the faith in the world that he's going to take this team to new heights. And I said it earlier. To the playoffs. we're going to play this all over the pre- and post-game show (laughs) when I'm correct. If I'm not correct, our season will be over, and you will not hear from me till
1: 2022. We will not hear it. All right, man, that's it. Last show of the year, man. NASA, thanks for joining us, man. I want to give special thanks to Gabe Jackson and John Clayton for joining the show. Our board operator, Matt Nelson, and our executive producer slash co-host today, NASA Chobe. The Seahawks pregame show is live this Sunday starting at 10 a.m., We want to thank everyone who listened this season as tonight is our final show. Until next time, I'm Michael Bumpus. Talk to you guys on Sunday. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air
0: on 710 ESPN Seattle. Download the 710 Sports app to get breaking news notifications on the Hawks and read the latest analysis on the Hawks at 710sports.com.